everybody. Thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. We are in part five, week five of our series, Greater Than, and we're going to be wrapping up this week. And what this series has been has been a walk through these key verses throughout the book of Hebrews. And uh, every week we just kind of have been doing a little bit of a recap in the fact that the book of Hebrews was written about 70 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we don't know exactly who the author was, but we do know that the author was a disciple of Jesus. And uh, it, it's just an incredible book with some profound things said to the Hebrew church. And they're still applicable to us 2,000 years later. And last week we talked about this idea of our faith being a distinguishing, a distinguishing trait of who we are as a community and who we are as individuals. That people would look at us on, a, on an individual level and a collective level and they would say, man, I, I can distinguish a difference between that person or those people because of their faith in Jesus, that their faith is absolutely evident. And then we walk through uh, these heroes of the Bible. In chapter 11, I talked about Moses and Noah and Abraham and all these incredible uh, men and women of faith. Um, and it says this is before all of these different stories, it just gives these like tiny little tidbits. It said, because of faith, Noah did this. Because of faith, Moses did this. Because of this, Sarah did this. And so we talked about all of these different things when it comes to our faith and, and how we have faith uh, and it's a distinguishing trait of who we are and that it was a distinguishing trait of these heroes of the Bible before us. And so this week, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to start right at the beginning in verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So this verse in itself, one verse, has so much to examine. And, and the first point I want to say that today is this, is a great cloud of witnesses, this idea of a great cloud of witnesses. It would be really easy to look at this and think of it as a large group of people watching our every move. I think that that would probably be our initial reaction, that we have a great cloud of witnesses, that people are witnessing us live our lives. But what it actually is saying is that we're surrounded by inspiring examples. That if you look at the original translation, what it actually means is that there are so many people that have come before us and there are so many people currently ha in our lives that we can look to as inspiring examples. It's not just about people watching us. Now, while we have to be aware of the fact that people are watching us, especially if, if we find ourselves uh, following Jesus, if we, if we consider ourselves surrendered to, to the life that Jesus has called us to live, if we call ourselves a Christian, that people are absolutely watching us. But this is what it means, is that you're not alone. This comes after a chapter where it talks about Moses and Noah and Sarah and Abraham and all these other heroes of faith. And the author is trying to communicate a very simple yet profound statement is this, is that you are not the first person doing this and you will not be the last one. You are not the first people doing this and you won't be the last. It's so easy for us to feel alone in our pursuit of Jesus and the life that he calls us to live. But we have to realize that we are so far from that, that we are so far from being alone. We have people to look at in the past. There's these people that we read about in scripture that we can say, wow, they went through it. Like they, they had trials and they had successes and they had failures and they had all these different things and that they were faithful to who God had asked them to be. And sometimes it took a really long time, literally uh, decades, but they, they were faithful to who God called them to be eventually, and we can learn from those examples. But I think it's really important that we also understand that we have a great cloud of witnesses and inspiring examples today in the present, that we would be able to look around in our lives and we would be able to look at the, the, our friends or our family, and hopefully they're inspiring examples of faith. And if, if you don't have that, 
I would just encourage you today, put yourself around people that you can consider an inspiration in their faith, that you wouldn't be, uh, quote unquote, the smartest person in the room or the most faithful person in the room. And that, that's good. You, We get to be examples to one another and you get to be an example. I get to be an example and that's such an honor. But we also want to make sure that we're putting ourselves around people who are examples of faith to us. The original Greek word for witness would actually have been uh, martyras, which translates to martyrs and, and people who gave their life for their faith. And not all of them were killed for the, their faith, but th- this idea of dedicating their lives to their faith. And, and my hope would be is that that is said of me, that no matter what I do, no matter what mo- my vocation is, whether I'm a communicator, a pastor, uh, whether I'm working in, in a different industry, that people would say, yeah, no matter what he did, I could tell that he was dedicated to his faith, that his life was dedicated to having faith in Jesus, and he trusted Jesus with every aspect of his life. And And I, I, I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, that you're interested in that too, that you would be someone who would say, yeah, I would love to be defined as distinguished as somebody who dedicated their life to faith. So we, we can be dedicated to our faith, and the best way to do that is to look at examples around us and to be examples. And there's so many different things that I think about when I think about my life and, and being an example, and I think I've probably failed and been a poor example more than I have been a good example uh, I I don't know how many times uh, my my kids have said something. I have a six year old, a five year old, and a six week old. And six week old isn't talking yet, and so she can't fully understand some of the things that I'm saying. But I said something the other day in the car in a stressed out moment, trying to get them to school. And then my son repeated it later on that day, and I was like, "Where did you learn that?" And he said, "You." And I said, "Oh, s- cool." Great. I'm glad. I'm glad that I taught you that word. That's a really good dad moment there. I don't think I was a very good example. And then there are other moments where I feel like people have have looked at my life and looked at my faith and I've been a success. And that that's great. And then there's these these moments in the middle where you're just like, man, I'm I'm just struggling through life, but I'm trying to do it the best that I can. And I, and I just interacted with a guy that I worked with for 10 years at a restaurant. And uh we, we had really good conversations. He knew I believed in Jesus. He knew that it was a big part of my life. And he was walking uh, into church two weeks ago, and I said, man, what is going on? I, like, I never expected to see you here. I'm so glad that you're here. And he said, I never expected to be here. And I was like, well, what, what, like, what caused you to come in? And he's like, honestly, you. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, man, I must have done something like really cool and really holy. I didn't say that out loud, but in my mind, I, I started to get up like a puffed up chest. And I was like, okay, well, tell me about that. Like, what happened? And he's like, man, I just, I've been talking to a lot of people and I've, I've experienced a lot of different people who say they're Christians. And you're kind of the only one that I really came into contact over the last couple of years that wasn't a total douchebag. <laughs> and I was like, wow, when, when? I guess I wasn't a total douchebag. I, I, I get, got to be a just normal guy who made some mistakes and, eventually you came around to the idea of joining me at church. But hey, I'll take it. He's in church. He's pursuing Jesus. And I'll take that every day of the week. At every level, we get to be examples to one another. And we can always look at scripture for some of the best examples of what to do and what not to do. And we can look at the people in our lives and people who say that they're Christians and people who say who, who don't identify as a Christ follower. And we can say, hey, I'm going to look at what you're doing. And I'm going to mirror some of those things. And I'm going to look at some of the stuff you're doing and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Sometimes the best examples are what not to do. And that can be said of our lives, and it can be said of the lives of people around us. So there's a reason that Scripture was left for us to study. It's because we get to look at it and we get to study. And there's a reason that we're called to be in community, because we get to be around people, study each other's lives, and grow with one another. Next, in that verse, it says this, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And I'm probably not alone in my frustration of how easy it is to fall into sinful actions. The author knew thousands of years ago that sin easily entangles us. 
And this picture, this word picture of being entangled by sin is, I think is just an incredible spot on example of what it means to be in sin. There are things in our lives that just cause us to get stuck where we just physically cannot move and we are stuck in sin. And the reality is this, is that we cannot both move forward and stay stuck at the same time. We have to either stop and stay entangled or throw off our sin and push ahead. We cannot both move forward and stay stuck at the same time. This has to be an intentional decision that we make every single day of our lives. And there have been a ton of seasons in my life where I feel like I'm not getting to where I want to be. And if I look at those seasons, if I take an honest look at those seasons of my life, it wasn't until I dealt with my crap that I was able to make any ground where I was like, well, I want to find success or I want to find prosperity. Or, I want to find, you know, a, a relationship that's going to work and, and all of these different things. I look back at those seasons where it felt like I was plateaued, where it felt like I was stuck for a significant season, like a long time. And I was so frustrated. But if I actually intentionally look at those things, it was because I wasn't willing to deal with, with some of the internal stuff, with some of the relational stuff. Like I wasn't willing to deal with it. And so I was stuck. So we have to be people who deal with our stuff and throw it off, throw off that sin, get rid of it because it's entangling you. So maybe today we, I, would, I would suggest that you take an honest look at yourself and figure out what's keeping you from what God has for you. I think that's a question that, that I need to ask myself on a regular basis and that you could ask yourself on a regular basis. What is it that is keeping me from what God has for me? What's keeping me from what God has for me. And then it says this, run with perseverance. This word perseverance, meaning persistence in doing something despite difficulty. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty. We cannot be people who give up easily. We cannot be a community who give up easily. Life is too hard to not have some persistence, to not have some perseverance despite difficulty. Our expectation cannot be that life will be easy, and we definitely can't believe that it gets easy once we surrender our lives to Jesus. We talk about this all the time at College Age, that if you think that, that Jesus is a fix-all in the moment, you're kidding yourself. It's an eternal fix. You get to spend eternity with Jesus, and that's an amazing thing, and that's all worth it, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but... But it's not like you surrender your life to Jesus and all of a sudden every relationship works well, your job's perfect, your boss isn't an idiot anymore, whatever it may be. Life is hard and we are called to have perseverance. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says this, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, when we face trials of any kind, it will produce the perseverance that we so desperately need. You see, it's hard for us to see the promise when we're in the midst of a terrible situation. But seeds get planted in those situations and we get to harvest that fruit later on. We just have to be willing to keep working the soil. That we plant seeds and, and we put in effort and we do these things and we persevere. We persevere through seasons. We persevere through for whatever situations come and we trust that there's going to be something to harvest on the other side of it. As human beings, we get discouraged so quickly. And we have to understand that discouragement is temporary and that Jesus is eternal. Scripture talks about discouragement all the time. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And in John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
So wherever you're at today, whatever's going on right now, I would just encourage you to keep going, keep fighting. It will be worth it. Keep planting seeds, keep working the soil, keep persevering. Have that persistence that God is calling you to have and just have a, a perspective that will always, always, always point to, hey, right now might not be great, but I'm going to get get to where God wants me to be. I trust and have faith that he's going to get me to where he said he's going to get me. And then verse 2 of chapter 12, Hebrews, it goes on to say this. This is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. So this verse answer, answers the big why. Why do we persevere? Why do we persevere? How do we persevere? And the answer is this. We fix our eyes on Jesus. While there's so many different examples of people who persevered and had so much faith, there's none better than Jesus himself. And it's really interesting, this concept of Jesus having faith. But we have to remember that while he himself is God, come to earth, he was also fully human, fully God, fully human. He had to have faith that everything was going to work out, that the promise that he was making was absolutely true. See, he had to have faith that that he was who he said he was. And, and there, there was this interesting idea of him having to like step into spaces with God and have conversations and, and let God encourage and let God fulfill and fill up and all of these different things. But he was a man and he experienced everything that you and I experienced. And so we know that he had to have faith. In the garden before he was taken before Pilate in the Sanhedrin, right before he was to be crucified, Jesus begged his father to take the responsibility away from him. But then he said this, your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. God, if you would take this from me, Father, if you would take this from me, but not my will, yours be done. And I think that we could learn so much from that simple statement, not my will, but yours that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, that we'd fix our eyes on God, and we would say, hey, there are so many things in my life that I have hopes and dreams and all those different things, but if they don't line up with your hopes and dreams for me, your will be done, not mine. And I'm here to tell you today that oftentimes God will align your will with his. I think that there's this fear that we're going to want all of these things, that there's these instilled desires and dreams within us, and God's going to say, no, forget that. I'm going to do something completely different. And sometimes... That might be true, but a lot of the times he takes what we believe, he takes what we dream about, he takes what we're, we're inspired by, he tweaks it a little bit, and he makes it so much better. So let's be a community of people that say, your will, not ours. And then it says this, the joy set before him. The joy set before him. What is the joy set before him? And in turn, what is the joy set before us? It is this, future glory over present suffering. Future glory over present suffering. Over the last couple of weeks, we talked about about perspective, that we have to have eternal perspective or we will get so bogged down in the present that we won't be able to see the promise, that we get so focused on now that we don't see the ultimate promise, the eternal promise of getting to spend every single waking moment, every single day with Jesus in paradise. In the end, we have to be able to settle ourselves on the fact that eternity will always be worth it that no matter what I'm going through now, it pales in comparison to what is promised to me in the future. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, it said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It says this. It says they're gonna, you're going to be insulted. You're going to be persecuted. People are going to say evil things against you. Bad things are going to happen. But great is your reward in heaven. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, which is one of my all-time favorite verses, is I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be, that will be revealed in us. Our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In us. That there's something happening in us. That there's this internal transformation that is happening every single day. And while we will never reach what we want to do this side of heaven, we get to see a little bit more of Jesus in us every single day. That there's going to be glory revealed in us. And it's not even worth comparing to our present sufferings. That the bad things that are happening in our lives aren't even worth comparing to what Jesus has for us. So as we look at our current situations, no matter where we're at, let's not be people who get stuck. And I know that some people are listening to this and they're saying, well, my situation feels like an absolute monstrosity. And I don't want to pretend like that's not true. One of the primary reasons that we live in community is to help each other through those situations. I fully understand that some of you are going through things that I might not even be able to understand. But I also want you to know that community is where you get those things handled, that you get surrounded by people who are also pursuing Jesus, and that we lift those things up together to Jesus and we find solutions and we help each other through because that's what it's all about, that we would be people who are individually pursuing Jesus, but we also are collectively pursuing Jesus. We have to remember that everything that is happening to us on this side of heaven is falls under that umbrella, is part of the world. But remember what it says in John chapter 16, that Jesus has overcome the world. So every situation, every broken relationship, all of those things, those fall into the category of the world. And Jesus has overcome the world. And we need to be people who have confidence in that. And then the last verse, just verse 3 of chapter 12 says this in Hebrews, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That brings us back to fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? The author was trying to communicate something, so he doubles down. Two of three verses, he talks about this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. See, when it comes to our faith and when it comes to being uh, to having perseverance, when it comes to being people of God, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. So a couple questions. First of all, who are you looking to as an example? Who in your life are you looking to as an example? Are you looking, honestly, are you looking to scripture as an example? Are you looking to Jesus as an example? And if Jesus is in the forefront of the people that you are looking at as an example of how to be faithful, what it means to have faith, you need to check that. That Jesus should always be the first person that we look to. And then we should look at inspiring examples, a part of the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. Also, Who's looking to you as an example? Are there people that are that are obviously looking to you to be an example of faith, to be an example of what it means to follow Jesus? And if you're answering that question, no, nobody's looking at me. I, I would really encourage you to double double check that. And I promise you that there are people watching you, that there are people looking at the way that you're living your life. And that's, that's not to be held as a burden. That's to be held as a badge of honor, that people would be willing to watch you and that we get to be examples of the people in our lives. And the last question is this, where are you stuck? Where are you stuck? What area of your life do you feel like you're plateaued? Maybe take a moment, if you can, to stop and just offer that up to Jesus. Say, Lord, I've been stuck here for too long. I don't want to be plateaued. I don't want to be here. Would you pull me out of that? I don't want to be stuck anymore. 
I hope that, that today was an encouragement to you. I hope that this podcast brings life, and, and I truly hope that you find community at College Age. If you're not coming, we meet Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock here at Faith Chapel. We would love to have you here to get you surrounded by other people who are pursuing Jesus. If not, keep listening to the podcast, and we will talk to you really soon.